So uh, last week, I think Ryan did a really good job of kind of giving us a brief snapshot walking through Romans. And so I'm going to give you even a briefer um, just snapshot of what he said in his snapshot of Romans, if you can follow that. Um, so he kind of talked about the, Paul's view of the human mind. So first he talked about the natural state of clouded thinking. And then he talked about the work of God and renewing our minds on the cross. Then the fact that even though we are freed from the power of sin, the presence is still in our life, which leads to the need to fight sin. Um, and a big way we do this is by thinking rightly or setting our mind upon the right thing. So our Bible study training is really coming out of Romans 12.2. So do not be conformed um, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing may discern what is the will of God what is good and what is acceptable and perfect. So that's really what we're asking God to do during this time. So we want to push against conforming to this world, and we want to set our gaze and mind upon God and our hearts to be trans transformed. And I'm not going to lie, this is going to take some work. And I think that in studying and coming to the Bible, I think we really need to learn to push ourselves to think just a little bit longer and a little bit harder. And so Bible study, I think that a lot of people, when it comes to Bible study, can kind of just check out or just think, this is just for the really logical, intellectual people. And I am definitely not that. <coughs> and, uh, and I would definitely say I'm more emotional, more of a non-linear thinker. I, well, not perfectly non-linear, but I feel like I just, as I'm thinking, it's just like I make all these random connections all the time, and I don't know how this happens or where that's coming from. But I, and I have to really work at saying the Bible. It doesn't really come, I think, supernaturally to me. I think there's some people I sit down with, and I'm like, wow, they're just natural. They just, it feels like they sit down here, they know what questions to ask, they know what to do, and it's just pretty amazing. And I would say that that's not me. I've really had to work at it. But it's been so grounding for me that I just feel like the Bible and being able to study it and read it has just been so helpful for me, especially because I'm a pretty emotional dude. I feel like I have really high highs, really low lows. And I think I'm just realizing that there's such a connection between what I'm feeling and what I'm believing. And so being able to come back to a solid place to be able to help realign my thinking it's just so helpful for me. And so often when we look at this verse, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And I think I realize that so often in my life, I can conform to the world that, and I don't even realize it. I have a lot of deep anxieties that are based upon performance, worst case scenarios. I think I'm really like in tune with the evil inside of me. So I'm always thinking about it, always just is beating me up. And I think I can see the hopelessness and the despair in the world pretty easy. Um, I also can see all the joys and all the excitements, but I think those things hit me. But when I come to the Bible, it reminds me of who I am. Just thinking about Ephesians, just all the language about us being sons and daughters, that he has a plan. So even when I'm confused by what's going on in the world and everything seems so dark and trying to figure out what's going on, I think just Ephesians just grounded me because it brought me back this week to know that God has a plan, um, that there's forgiveness of trespasses. So I'm in a, when I'm in a season of just beating myself up, um, that I'm not remembering, I'm not coming back to the reminder that 
there's forgiveness of trespasses and our sins. And then just a reminder that Jesus is over and fully over this, um, has supreme over this world. And so I just think these were just truths I was just thinking about this week that as we studied Ephesians, that were helpful for me as a very <coughs> emotional person. So I'm just kind of making an appeal for those of you who I think you can feel like, I'm so emotional. It feels like doing this work of thinking logically um, isn't really fun, um, but I think it's so helpful. And so I can't remember if Ryan used this metaphor last time, but this is just a metaphor that's just so helpful for me, is Bible study is kind of like a way of recalibrating our systems. And so I uh, attempted to be a doctor, um, took the pre-med classes, and uh, in chemistry, every time that at the beginning of a lab, um, that we would have to put all of our instruments back to zero or put them so that our measurements and all the things we were doing was accurate. And I really do think that that's like what Bible study does is that it takes us from a place where, where naturally I think we shift to wanting to fall into the patterns of this world. But as you come and as you study the word, we're really asking God that he would help recalibrate us and put our systems back to where they belong. So the goal, I think, really is to get to a point where I think that God and his word saturates our whole lives and our whole way of thinking. And there's a C.S. Lewis quote that I thought was just really good. Um, it's in one of his papers called The Theology of is there, uh, is Theology Poetry, which he says, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun um, has risen, not only because I see it, because by it I see everything else, and so he's just kind of talking about that, not that we don't just want to see Christianity and just believe it, but we want to have it be the lens by which we see everything and experience this life. And really, that would be so sweet um, if that's to the lens and the place which where we got. So um, there's a lot more that could be said about why we say the Bible. And so I hope you guys are convinced, but um, you might be still struggling how. So... I'm going to propose that we study the Bible. We're going to really emphasize, if, if you guys haven't heard, that we're going to do this method called the inductive Bible study method. So maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. Um, but before I kind of explain what it is, I kind of want to defend why or set up the reason why we are excited about teaching and doing a specific method of studying the Bible. So I kind of want us to answer why we study inductively. <coughs> So if you look at 1 Corinthians 4.1, um, the Apostle Paul, same writer of Ephesians, says, this is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And so here he's talking about the apostles, but I think as Christians, we can apply this to our call as well. And so we are called to steward the mysteries of God. So I think this pushes back against the common misconception that I think a lot of people have coming into studying the Bible, that I think we come into it thinking we get to decide what the Bible says, that we come into it and we say, okay, we read this passage, and you're like, oh, this is what I think it says. Um, but as a steward, that means it's something that's given to you, and so it's your responsibility to protect, to find, to use it well. So basically, as stewards, this means that we don't create what the Bible says. So we don't create meanings from it. It's our job to discover what the Bible says and to discover what God is saying to us. 
that we want to find out what the, uh, what the creator of the universe is telling us. And maybe this might feel restrictive, but I guarantee you that I think it's a lot more enjoyable and I think about it as an adventure or a puzzle that you kind of get to come down, that you get this letter from God, and as you're reading it, you, you're trying to figure out, okay, what is he saying to me? He meant something. He has a specific thing that he's saying, and it's my job. I get to figure it out. And then not only do I get to figure it out, but I get to steward it and get to figure out how to communicate it and share this with other people. And so um, I think that a lot of times when we come to the Bible, we kind of are in the driver's seat, and we kind of tell God to kind of ride along with us. But instead, by viewing it as stewards, God is in the driver's seat, and we're telling him, take us where you want. Let's go. Um, this is going to be so much fun. And so, um, put it another way, so I've talked about kind of um, we don't create, we discover. We, we don't get in the driver's seat. Um, another way to say it is like we don't come down upon the Bible. We're not above it, but we kind of crawl underneath of it and crawl underneath of what's going on. So we approach it from coming underneath the nut and letting it determine what it says. So even if you're not a Christian in your, this room, we, I taught the inductive Bible study to, uh, we had an evangelistic meeting at St. Thomas that we would do called the Supper Club. Um, and uh, and most of the, a lot of people there would say they weren't Christians, but we taught them the inductive Bible study method because we, wanted, we said we wanted to give you a tool for you to be able to say, this is actually what the Bible's saying. So then we can have a discussion about what it's saying. And so even if you're not a Christian in this room, I would really challenge you to really put in the work to try to say, what is this actually saying? And does this make sense of how I view this world? Um, does this make sense of, of how things work? And so even if you're a Christian, I would challenge you to that. Um, so we're still underneath. We're called to be stewards and missionaries of God. This is my longest point under the defense. But... I think another thing is that it's really amazing that we have the Bible, that I think we can take this for granted. And you guys have probably heard this a lot, but I was listening to a talk by R.C. Sproul, a really smart guy, uh, that, and he was talking about uh, during the Reformation, there was a big debate if common people like us could have access to the Bible, that should we be reading it and interpreting it? And at first, that might seem ridiculous. You're like, of course. Like, why wouldn't we have access to the Bible? Um, even the Catholic Church has since changed its position. So why, like, but the big pushback was that if interpretation was left to common lay people, there would be all kinds of heresies in every twisting um, of it and all these, all these fractions and all of that. And Martin Luther heard that argument and I was trying to find the exact quote because it was like so epic. Um, but he basically said something to the effect that, let it be so, God have mercy on us all. And I was just like, wow, um, that, that, there is, that there is a scary thing that, that that's I think in a lot of ways what we've seen is that because the Bible has been given in people's hands, it's kind of gone off and there's been all these different ways that it's been wrongly interpreted, but that shouldn't be us. That in 2 Corinthians 4, 2, it says stewards are to be found faithful. So I think what we want to do then is we want to actually be faithful. That I think there's so many good things that that's why Luther and the reformers wanted to have the Bible in our hands, 
because it's so powerful for us to be able to encounter and meet God and for him to work through it. But we must be faithful with it. And so that might make some of you guys feel kind of uneasy and that that might feel a little bit weighty to you. But I think that that is a right responsibility that we should feel um, when we're coming to the Bible, that there should be a reverence, there should be an awe. But also remembering that as you're reading the Bible, you're seeing that God is kind, that he's a gracious master. So even if you mess up or you're not all the way there, he's not going to be so angry. He's just wanting you to take to really um, own it. So that was the first one that was really long, that um, we're to be stewards of the mysteries of God. But I just think that that's a common thing we, I see in myself and I just see in studying the Bible. Secondly, it's a lifelong tool. So we're so excited for you. If you guys could walk away from this summer knowing how to self-feed for the rest of your lives, or meaning knowing how to be able to sit down, wrestle through the text, have God meet you, see, his, see him in a new powerful way, that would be so exciting for us. And I learned how to do the inductive method my first year on project. I did it some of the times. I was very extroverted and very lazy. Um, and so I feel like maybe, and don't be like that. Um, but I did it a few times, but I just think that that's where I started to learn it. And to an effect, it's still what I use today. So I think the reason I really like this method is that it's kind of simple enough and as we get into it, that anyone at any place can read it, and you can use little tools from it. But I think that it's complex enough that you can really stretch it and grow it as you grow in your faith and as your intellect and understanding of it grows. Um, it can really be stretched. And so I think that's what makes, I think, the inductive really a great lifelong tool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, the next one is it, it helps ground you. And so I kind of talked about how that does that for me. But I think this can be a really helpful thing, especially for you guys coming on something like the Summer Training Project. So you guys are going to hear a lot of different talks. You're going to hear a lot of different things that people are saying. You're going to be going to different churches. And maybe they're a little bit different than what you're growing up. Or maybe you'll start to find that people you really respect have different stances on things. And for me, that could be really unsettling. But I think a really good thing is that you can go to the Bible. And so if you're hearing different things or you're not sure, I would say don't take my word for it, anything that we say. That go to the Bible and see, do you see it here? Does that make sense? Um, is it there? And I really think that that can really ground you. And the inductive is a way that I think will teach you to be able to help you say, like, this is actually what the text is insane. So I think uh, it'll help ground you. And then, I don't know how that happened. It's a natural way to learn. So I think that as I was thinking about the inductive, we're going to do a little bit of a model of it in a little bit that's really cheesy, but we do it every year because I think it's really helpful. Um, but as I was thinking, my daughter is one and a half, and she, in a sense, is kind of doing it right now as she's learning and processing the world around her, that she just will grab anything, basically, and hold it up and look at it and try to figure out what it is and then start doing different things with it, hitting things, hitting me, hitting my wife. 
And I really do think that what she's doing is essentially what we'll be teaching you in the inductive. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's why we're doing it. Some disclaimers. <laughs> um, so some of you guys have never studied the Bible before. And that's a really nerve-wracking thing, especially probably in this room, because you guys are all college students. And so I think in college, there's just this air of you putting um, identity in your intellect. And so as you're coming in, I think that if you've not studied it before, I think it can be really intimidating because no one wants to sound stupid. And I think we're really pushed for that in college. But just like learning anything, it takes a measure of humility. And I think that, but if you put in the work to do it, I think it'll be really helpful. And so I would just say, don't expect to be good at it right away. Um, so I use this example a lot, but I'm a big fan of this workout program called Max 30. And so if you, I probably talked about it too much. I could talk about that for a long time. But I just think it's really brilliant because I was like not in shape in the fall, like having a kid and everything. And so I like the idea of, well, I didn't have it, my wife did. <laughs> but uh, I felt, I was like, the idea of getting back into shape was just like so daunting for me because I got to go to the gym and I'd just be like, I can't. I can do like a couple reps of whatever. And so, but the program was so brilliant because what it did is it just said, work out as hard as you can and then write down your time when you give up. And then each day, just try to extend that time a little bit. And it was just so simple, but it was so brilliant because it was like the first couple times I was like, after two minutes, I'm just like sucking air, like lying on the floor. But then by the end of the two months, it was like, wow, like I could do like the whole workout. Um, not amazingly, but I could do it. And I just thought that was like brilliant because it was a way of like helping people like me who were nervous about getting back into it, do it. Um, and I, I don't get out of yeah anyway. Um, so uh, I just want to be healthy. That's why I work out. Um, so so it takes time. And so there's a passage. So Psalm Psalm one one through three says, "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of scoffers, nor si sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night." He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. And so this verse um, was, I was having a conversation with Oki, and I don't know if you know who Oki is, but he's one of the pastors down here, and he's kind of a personal hero for me. And if any of you guys went to theology time or going to church, you just see that like this man is just saturated in the scriptures, that he is this sturdy tree who's planted by the waters, who is just knowing um, what's there. And I asked him like, how he got to a place where he just like knows his Bible and how it's just the way that just so much impacts the way he thinks. And he said, well, I went on her. He said uh, basically that it took by years of reading and repetition and so guys like Oki, who can just swim through the Bible back and forth and makes the way they think, I think he's naturally pretty gifted. But I think that it just took years of studying, repetition, and so it doesn't happen overnight. The next thing is it might feel unnatural at first, 
So as you were going to be kind of walking through a thing, it might feel unnatural. And this is not, just because something doesn't, like I did say that it is a natural way of thinking. But if you've been kind of coming into the Bible, doing it uh, differently, it might be a little bit hard at first. And this might not be the case for you, but I think that some of us could kind of have some bad habits coming in to studying the Bible. So I think two of the bad habits that I just see in myself is glossing over, that you just kind of come, you read, just read through it quickly, and then you're done. Um, and you don't want to really have to think about it much. So I think it really pushes against that bad habit. And also it pushes against stream of consciousness, which is kind of what I talked about already, where you just kind of come to the Bible and you start reading a word and you're like, oh, that word makes me think of this word. Oh, and that makes me think of a time that this happened. And I'm like, well, you're not really studying the Bible right then. You're just kind of talking about what words make you think of other words. Um, and so I think like example that I was reading in this book was like, basically an example was like, someone was, Jesus was a metaphor in farming. And you're like, oh, I grew up on a farm. Farms maybe, you know, like God is a farmer. I don't, well, anyway, <laughs> you know, you get it. Um, and so even though it might feel unnatural at first, I hope to a place that it really just becomes comfortable and intuitive. So example for me was, is that I did, I ran um, the Twin Cities Marathon. I'm not like a super active, well, kind of maybe, but I ran the Twin Cities Marathon and I'm a little bit bigger of a dude. Uh, and so the idea of running 26 miles and killing my joints um, was kind of scary for me. So when I was training, I had to really work on my form because it was bad and I was gonna destroy my joints. And it felt really unnatural at first. Um, to, to run with a different form that I was used to. But after time, as I was training, I didn't even realize, I didn't even have to think about it anymore. It was just the way that I was running. And I think that that's the same thing that will happen as I think we teach the inductive, is that it might feel unnatural at first, but you'll get to a place where hopefully it just kind of is the way that you think, so you didn't even have to do exactly um, the as structured of steps. Um, but it'll just become more intuitive, and that's kind of our hope. And then last one is it's not the only way. So some of you guys use a Swedish. It's really similar. Um, that's good. I think the inductive really builds on it more. Some of you use some questions, so maybe you've learned to ask, who is God, what has he done, who are we, what should we do? And I'm like, those are great. Like, those are really good questions to be asking when you're coming into studying the Bible. And I really could, would say that um, I think that try, thinking through it the inductive way will help you even answer these questions by being able to figure out what's going on in the text. And you can even include these into part of the inductive method. So finally, what is the inductive? <laughs> I've been leaving you guys on a cliffhanger for a while because intentional. So inductive, so there's kind of, there, there's a ways to kind of think about what is the inductive. So it's a line of reasoning so inductive is basically going from bottom up, so specific to general. Another way to say is like how, you, how scientists form hypotheses. So example is, uh, and then versus deductive, which is dot, uh, top down. So you go general to specific. And this is kind of where you like test a hypothesis. So putting this more in layman's terms, I think the idea, if you guys have heard of Sherlock Holmes, 
there's, it always says good deduction. Um, <laughs> trying to do my British, but uh, accent <laughs> there. Uh, but what happens in a, so when, I think that Sherlock does both, deductive reasoning and inductive reasoning. So deductive reasoning would be like when Sherlock Holmes kind of knows that there's a killer out there, he has some ideas that he saw that this killer did this crime, and so maybe this killer did this crime as well. So he's in there and he's finding clues and he's trying to support his theory that, that this is the killer in both cases. So inductive reasoning would be like, if there was a crime scene and Sherlock Holmes has no other cases, no other things, no other things in his mind, he comes into the scene and he just starts looking at things, uh, finding clues, figuring out like there's blood, what time it was, just asking a lot of like questions like that. And so that's more the inductive reasoning is that you are kind of starting off with like looking at all these specific things and trying to figure out what's the pattern and how they all kind of fit together. And so I think that that is just a really humble way to approach the scripture and to get underneath of it is by coming into it saying, what is going on here? Like, what is this saying? And so, so observation, so it has three parts. It has observation. So simply, what does it say? What's in your face? Not adding any of your preconceived notions. Like, what's there? Interpretation is, what does it mean? So now is the point where you kind of take all of these observations, and as you're taking observations, asking questions, you're trying to figure out, what do they mean? Um, what is this? What's going on here? And then application is, how does this apply to my life? So observations are just simple, in your face, no preconceived notions, uh, preconceived. Interpretation is kind of answering these questions, figuring out what's going on, and that's what makes it just so fun. It's like a, it's like a puzzle. It's like uh, an adventure of like trying to figure out what's going on here and then applying it to life. So I, we use the shield a lot, but I thought maybe it'd be better to use something I actually didn't know what it was. And so this morning, I went into our room and I found this thing here. Um, and so we can just practice. Maybe you guys know what this is and I'm an idiot. But we can practice trying to do the inductive on this thing in front of me by trying to, and it's, it's cheesy, I know. Um, I'm gonna ask for crowd participation. And, uh, and so, first of all, let's start off with, what are some observations you guys have? Just things that are in your face. I can pass it around too if you guys want. Um, what was that? It has holes. It has holes, yes. There's holes in this thing. All right, anyone else? That was great. It's metal. Oh, okay. That's a good question. We'll come to interpretation. <laughs> so does it does it cook hot dogs on it and go on a tray? All right, great. That's a good that that's a good question. We'll save that for interpretation. Where did you find it? Uh, I found it. No, that's a, the question. Oh yeah, where did I find it? That's a good question. Yeah. Anyone else? The whole holes are in rows. There's a bigger oh. hole on the left side. Oh, yeah. There is. So were these holes intentionally in rows like this? Why is that? Um, 
So yeah, so that's, so those are just like general, and I know it's cheesy, but it's just helpful just to think, yeah. So now let's move to interpretation. Jay says, is it black or gray? <coughs> gray. <laughs> I wasn't sure if there's like specs. Um, so why don't we that, so then we'll move into interpretation. So um, I see, so you asked, like there's a hot dogs on it. Well, I see these little black things on it. So it looks like maybe, and it was in the kitchen. So maybe it was, goes in the oven. So we're getting close to the hot dog, the hot dog question. I feel like I've seen one of those before. Where, yeah, where have you seen one? That would be helpful information. Put it in like a pan. Oh, so maybe there's, because we see this on the bottom here, that maybe it's meant to go into something else. Like it feels a little awkward shaped. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Why, why do you guys think? Why would that make sense? After it's not hot anymore, you pull it out. <laughs> oh, the oven. No, so it's in the pan, and when it's not hot anymore, then you pull it out to clean it. Oh, so Ben has a theory here, so I don't know if you guys heard, but so if we're going on the theory that this fits into a pan, that if it goes into it, you would need a way to pull it out. No, when it's, when it's when no longer hot. Yeah. It's clean. Oh. But that's a good question. That is a good question. Because you, you can push could back on that. Yeah. 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 So, okay, I think you guys kind of get the picture. So, we made some observations, asked some questions, and we tried to answer those questions. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go home, and I'm going to make an application. I'm going to buy some hot dogs. And I'm going to put this in my oven, so thank you very much. <laughs> but don't touch it when it's hot. And not touch it when it's hot. And maybe try to find the bottom pan that goes to it. Right. Oh. Is it really for hot dogs? Yeah, yeah. You